Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors, who will give you 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Uh, just the two of us today. Then I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanson. Hello. Just yeah. two because uh, Moscow hates the hates the country and everything it stands for. Uh, the Queen, Bulldogs, Princess Diana. Winston Churchill. Hates absolutely all of this. Probably out defacing uh, war memorials, I believe. Uh, well, of course, you would have been furious seeing that there were no, as he would put it, United players in the starting lineup today for England, whereas there were Leeds players in there, and one of which was absolutely brilliant. So Moscow will be back along when we do um, the next Euro Ball on Tuesday. I think we're doing the next one. And he'll obviously give us uh, things, you know, an insight from an Old Trafford perspective when he when he joins us again on the Euro Ball. But yes, Calvin Phillips, um, the Calvin Phillips show, man of the match, easy, wasn't he? He was, and... Um... The day was essentially about him, as far as I was concerned. It probably would have been anyway, even if he'd have done the the Declan Rice stuff today, which was you know tidy enough but fairly unspectacular. But as it was, he turned into um, a box to box marauding midfielder, which we've not seen for a while. Perlo and Xavi and uh, other good midfielders who I don't know the name of. Sidan, he's one. Yeah, he was good one, wasn't he? I'm just actually watching um, ITV's coverage on now. We've got it on now because the the Jani Alioski show is about to start in a little while as we're recording and uh, Ashley Cole is is sat in the studio there giving us his expert opinion on uh, on the Euros and he hasn't tweeted for about four or five days now I don't think since uh, since he called out Calvin Phillips and his inability to either pass long forwards or do anything of note. Didn't, doesn't create chances does he? That was the thing he, he was complaining about but today put one right on a plate. The thing is he won't change his opinion will he because that's not that's not what pundits do. You've got to stick rigidly to your beliefs, even if they are proven to be wrong. He wasn't. He didn't want to be proven wrong by video or stats, did he, last time? So the fact he's literally just watched a game in which Callum Phillips has been the most creative player in it will probably uh, still do nothing to change his mind. Mm, interesting. Well, he might have been travelling to the studio, though, uh, for ITV, so he might not have seen it. And he did say he doesn't believe things that he doesn't see with his own eyes. So if he didn't see it, it's like the tree falling over in the wood, isn't it? If no one's there to witness it, does it make a sound? Fucking idiot. Um... Yeah, brilliant today. I really, really enjoyed it. It's it's magnified my enjoyment of an England performance 10 times because we've got a vested interest in it and particularly because it felt like we were having to defend him so much in the run-up to the tournament and people were asking. I mean, you've seen the flip-flop, haven't you, on Twitter? Like People saying, right, I take back within 15 minutes all the bad stuff I said about Calvin Phillips. I think as well, having just heard him on the radio on the way and he was, he was speaking to Five Live, he's he's a few games away from being a national treasure as well in the same way that us in Leeds all love him. Just the way that he was asked how it had gone today and said someone basically complimented him while asking the question and the first thing he said was thank you and I thought <laughs> bless him yeah. well that's it so many people have tweeted just the picture of him being interviewed in the post match and he's, him smiling 
and it does it absolutely. It just lifts your heart, doesn't it? I'm, I nearly um, not burst into tears, but I was really, really emotional when uh, when he uh, set up Sterling for the goal. I was, I went, I think my celebration went, fucking yes, Phillips with the assist. <laughs> I, it was, it was his goal as far as I was concerned. Yeah. The bit that happened after his pass, I know there was. Should probably give Raheem Sterling some credit for putting, well, it, putting it in the net and everything. The tournament organizer star of the match, according to. But that's is it Heineken who sponsor? Is it them who've done the star of the mess and the stars related to the sponsorship? Right, dickheads. He wasn't yeah. star of the match. He was fine actually. Was Sterling in the end? I thought he was first half. I, I thought he was having a bit of a, a poor game. I thought him and Walker both looked a bit out of sorts, and Kane was playing really deep, and I didn't feel like anything was quite working. But it. It kind of came together for Sterling in the end. Yeah, I was I was laughing my head off when there were moments when Harry Kane was playing deeper than Calvin Phillips. I was like, what is he doing? And there was that brilliant stat from uh, Johnny Cooper, who's I think he's at Johnny Cooper 26, isn't he, uh, on Twitter, who said that he's done uh, what more assists for... More offsides. More offsides, sorry, that was it, more offsides, um, in one game for England, one tournament game, than he, he has done in 116 under Marcelo Bielsa and, uh, and at Leeds United. And I mean... That's the other thing here, isn't it? Like, so much, we owe so much of this to Bielsa, and we all know that. We know because our secret club, but it feels like we're letting the world into it now. They're all seeing what we're seeing. Although Bielsa hasn't had him playing like that, has he? In To give Southgate some credit, I guess, he's obviously seen enough of Calvin Phillips in training to decide that he can do the more forward stuff as well, because we, he, the fact that he's never offside is, is testament to how little he does in the way of if trying to run in behind defenders when he plays for us. And, he did it really well today, and it does. It does almost make you wonder if there's a if the Calvin Phillips role doesn't always have to be played by Calvin Phillips as well, because he was doing a bit more of click type stuff today in that game in the in the runs and the, I mean the run for the goal that he that he set up that was very click like the way that he was bursting from deep and and putting the ball through. So it, it does almost make you wonder if there's it was more like the Calvin Phillips position of old, but before he was brilliant and with all the skill set that he's acquired. Since it's just it's stuff like positional knowledge, isn't it? Knowing when to run, when not to, and being given license to do it. Because there were moments when I saw him breaking from midfield, and I was uh, my sort of my subconscious went, "No, no, you're not supposed to." Ah, but Rice is there. That's fine. And also, when to run and when not to under Bielsa, there's never a when not to. You run <laughs> all the time, and it didn't look burnt out. Still, did he? He was still absolutely till the last minute. He was still charging around the pitch like it was the first. And I think that again is testament to the just the sheer level of fitness that he's turned up with. Brilliant, isn't it? I'm really enjoying football at the minute. And I went into the England game with um, very little expectation, really. You know, we, we spoke about a mild trepidation going into it. And um, there was an Irishman who uh, who tweeted me earlier, whose name I don't have to hand at the minute. I'll try and find it before the end of the show, who was sort of saying it's interesting watching the reaction to England from outside and, and the England selections, because we've kind of got that Premier League tribalism. So we all like, you know, furiously defended Phillips, and then we reject Grealish falling over, even though kind of it all benefits, you know, the common good or whatever. Um, and there's an anxiety around England, very similar to what was there with Leeds for 15 or 16 years, because it always felt like we should be doing better than we than we did. Um, and then obviously the rest of the world thinks, well, you're dickheads for thinking you should be doing better than uh, than you do. But you see the talent on show today, though, the attacking talent in particular. And, and you know England should be at least get into a semi-final and challenging for trophies. But it does feel like there's a bit of a monkey on the back in that regard, doesn't it? That until a trophy is won, like it took Leeds getting promoted to to shed so much of that anxiety. If we ever actually get over that threshold, it'll be quite a nice thing. It seems ha- almost further away with England, I guess, because you have fewer chances to actually get the monkey off your back. And it's, it is a different set of players most times when you go into tournaments because it's just because of the nature of them. And 
how widely spaced they are. But it's funny actually to talk about the way that England are viewed outside of the country. I, I can't remember which podcast it was. I heard Henning Vane on it, the German comedian, and he was essentially just laughing at England, being really caught up about getting about how we talk about like Italian ninety still when we didn't come in it actually come anywhere near winning it. We nearly got to a final, and how the Beckham free kick when he scored against Greece. And that was a great moment. He was like, we just qualify for a tournament. It's pathetic. You don't celebrate that. That's yeah, this, it, this is the absolute given. He's, he's right. And I understand where the humour in that lies. But football is, as we've said loads of times on this show, it's about moments, isn't it? And you do remember moments. Like I remember Johnny Housen at Carlisle, even though Doncaster followed it. And I still treasure that, you know, really, really highly up there in my footballing memories because of the moment that it provided. So Calvin setting up that goal will be the thing we remember from this summer, <laughs> probably. Before he's sold. <laughs> That'll be your thoughts on this, wouldn't it? You'd be terrified about that. Um, uh, no, until you've just said it. And yeah, you're absolutely right. He's yeah. now he's now on the world stage, isn't he? And he's just putting the best performance of the tournament so far. So brilliant. Yep. Nice one, Cal. 100 million pounds better off will be, though. No, he's not going anywhere, is he? He shouldn't be. I mean, if he does play like that all tournament, someone probably will offer like 100 million quid for him. But that, that's a, I guess that's a nice problem to have. And the, well, the other side of that is, and to address it, you know, without joking and from a positive point of view, there might be other players, a midfielder or a winger, who sees that and thinks, well, look what Bielsa has done for that player and made him England's man of the match today. What can he do for me? I don't think we can underestimate that. Yeah, and also seeing that you'll get to play with Calvin Phillips if you if you go to Leeds. It's not like you someone's trying to have to convince you that you're gonna you're gonna go into midfield alongside Luke Varney or someone is it? It's a it's a quite a tantalising prospect, I guess, that you can think. Oh well, he's there. He's alongside me, and look at how much he was still running in the 85th minute. He's alongside me. We've got Rafinha there. Okay, Pat Bamford. He's good too, even though he's, he's been wrongly left out of this squad. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's brilliant, and I, I absolutely love Calvin Phillips for Leeds, and it's nice to be able to extend that into international football because I think it's something that we've probably struggled with a bit over the years. Is is supporting England wholeheartedly because there's just not been that that connection there. Well, particularly the, the, the so-called golden generation of the 2000s when we were in the depths of despair, getting bloody relegated and you know heading to League One and all the rest of it. It was all players from clubs that not we necessarily hate, but that we had traditional big club rivalries with, like Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal. All the nice rest. See of them. Frank Lampard in the studio today. Looking well, looking well. He's been enjoying his time off, hasn't he? Um, dispensing his wisdom. There, what, what did you think of his wisdom? Is he a wise man? He was fine. I, I did go and get some food at halftime, so I didn't... So did he, I think. I, did, I didn't see all of it. <laughs> During the game. I mean, it's, it's quite harsh for us to criticise him for being... <laughs> we're, not, we're only fat-shaming you out of humour, Frank. Yeah. I, I did hear the bit where he was trying to not take credit for Chelsea winning the Champions League whilst taking credit for yeah. Chelsea winning the Champions <laughs> League, which was a nice touch. But he did also praise Calvin Phillips, which had, I mean, he had to, really. It had been... Did It'd he be ridiculous um, not to? Did he do that thing where he makes it like a really light-hearted point and then goes very serious afterwards? He certainly did that when they asked him if he'd had any job offers, and he went, "No, no, no, because I'm here, aren't I?" And then he went, "No, but I, I mean, I've of course, I have because I'm very much in I'm demand. A, yeah, I'm a good manager, and I, I still want to be able to do this. Let's not talk about him anyway. Anyway, let's, let's talk more about Calvin Phillips because he was because <laughs> he was brilliant today. I just I don't know I, I don't know what to say about him specifically other than I'm just really really proud. And that's I mean like. You know, you've got kids as well. When um, when the kids win an award at school, and you know oh, that's nice, you know, and, and you think oh, teachers have been nice to you there because you've put in lots of effort this week. It comes home and it gets stuck to your fridge, and you think that's nice. That was like that today, but just multiplied like a hundredfold, wasn't it? Because it's not just the rest of the school that's your critical audience there; it's the whole of the European football world. And we've seen all of the Calvin Phillips journey, haven't we? That's the thing we've seen him coming into the, the team and not really having a position, and then. We saw the early Bielsa days where he's getting yanked off after half an hour against Swansea because it's all going horribly wrong for him. And 
the way he's turned from that into the player he is now is ridic- ridiculous. I, d- I didn't think it was possible, to be yeah, honest, for no. a player to become that good. I think when you talk to people who've known about Calvin Phillips at Leeds, they've always said he's had it in him and he's always had the passes and he's he's intrinsically always been an incredibly good footballer, but I don't think anyone saw this in his future a few years ago. And it's I know one man who did. Who? Marcelo Bielsa. <laughs> <laughs> he prob- do you know what he probably did? He, yeah. he probably said he would play for England from watching those tapes when he was first doing his interview. He well, probably was like, well, Do you not remember when we spoke to Angus Kinnear? And again, I can't remember if this was on the recording or afterwards. And again, if, if it was afterwards, he wouldn't mind us saying it at all. But what he said when he flew out to go see um, Bielsa, that first meeting in Buenos Aires, um, and he said, I've watched all the videos of all these. Like, he said, I will turn Phillips, Cooper, Dallas, and I think it was Ailing as well, wasn't it? Into the best players in the championship. So he knew. Where, that was the where, championship, though. Where the quality... Yeah, but this is not that much better, is it? <laughs> Luka Modric. In, in fairness, the Croatia... I did find them a little bit disappointing, I would say. They don't look quite like the team that beat us at the World Cup. It, it, it felt like that was probably their peak and they were, they were just not... They weren't quite on it. I didn't think they looked particularly dangerous. And given the defence we had out with Mings in there and it was slightly imbalanced. Trippier's a good player, but he, him being on the left, it all looked a little bit imbalanced and I was concerned about that. But as it was, they didn't have, mm, they was, didn't bring a great deal. I was slightly surprised that Chilwell didn't make the 23 because we did, did we have a sub left back knocking on the on the bench? Sure there, was he? I can't remember. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was actually probably. I don't really care enough. It doesn't matter now, does it? But um, yeah, one or two surprising selections. But I, I mean, fair play to the man. It, what he set out there to do, he did. And he's obviously answered a lot of critics and dispelled a lot of those nerves that we get going into a tournament because there's no, I don't think there's any league or set of players who are written about and tweeted about as much as English Premier League players. I think um, you know, we see the scrutiny comes from worldwide, doesn't it? When you, you tweet out something about your club or your player or you go into the replies, like if Leeds have tweeted something about Phillips on a Saturday and then, you know, all the fans from abroad just, just fuck off. <laughs> Not having any of that. But um, no, it was it was a nice day all round and yeah, a lot of that that English anxiety that sort of underpins it all, which is very, very familiar. I mean, if you're not English and you're listening to this and you wonder why England's like it is, it's very similar to what I think we experienced as Leeds fans. Yeah, it is. It's, the nice thing with England is you get a break from it, don't you? You only have to do it every couple of years. Because we, we're now at the stage where we basically always qualify for stuff, so there's not ever an awful lot of tension around that. It's just sometimes a bit tedious having to watch us scrape a nil-nil somewhere. But we always, we always qualify easily, don't we? So there's not that same week-in, week-out pressure of it it's just that sometimes when you get to tournaments it's the bit the danger with England at tournaments is always that you, you start to believe at some point isn't it that's when it kind of it, that's when it gets you and that's when the disappointment hits like for me the the major disappointment to my England supporting life have been like 96 and 98 because it felt like well 96 it just felt like we were going to win it felt like it was an almost guaranteed win as far in my child mind and then a couple of years later I was I'd bought into it all again and it just never, it never really happened. I think since 2006 probably was the last year I, I haven't any real hopes of us doing anything. Uh, so it's, it's been easy. I feel like 2006 to kind of the the last World Cup, they were like the kind of the mid-table championship years for England. It was that I could feel quite comfortably like, well, there's no chance of us doing anything here. So it's fine. I'm happy to watch the tournament for the tournament's sake and the team I support can just turn up for a bit and then go home. Well, that's it. And, and what you say there is that the, the disappointment or that the tournaments are all spaced out. So you can quite easily let your disappointment recede pretty quickly because England fuck it up in a tournament. And then before you know it, a couple of months later, Leeds are kicking off again. And there's so much more matters and rides on that and your emotional well-being from seeing us week in, week out, season in, season out than 
than England. And like you say, you, you can sort of find those reasons to not like the players who are in the England team and think, well, I, I don't mind if, you know, Frank Lampard or Steven Gerrard or whoever it might be are crying their eyes out over football. Good. I'm pleased you're upset, John. I'm pleased John Terry is upset at losing in a World Cup. Um, but these lot are all quite eminently likable and Southgate's quite likable. Uh, it's interesting we're in up to this. Do you, you know, you were sort of saying he's kind of got no business being England manager, but have, no, you, have, yeah. you, have you revised that at all after, after today? I mean, I know one swallow doesn't make a summer and all that, but what do you think? I was saying on a CV level, he has no business being England manager. Like he's done nothing in coaching to have been given the position that he's that he now occupies. And I guess where international football, is, I suppose, is different is that it isn't there aren't actually that many games to coach. Like if we can, if we play four or five games in this tournament, it'd be like par for the course, wouldn't it? It's not a where you're stretching out across the season and trying to build a style of play necessarily. I know you do get people like Bielsa who, who go in and kind of manage to instill that at a national level, but it, it seems almost like at major tournaments, you're as well just turning up and having a good group of players that get on and play well. And you need obviously some style of play, which we seem to have today. So, And, and I do like, I really like all the stuff that Southgate says. I think he's a, a very good spokesman for it all. And he seems to, he seems to trust the players and give them a fair amount of responsibility and be led by them on certain things, which I think is good. Whereas we've seen people like Capello who came in, they just didn't seem to, I don't know, they didn't seem to get buy-in from the players on the stuff they were doing. Well, I had this conversation with my mates, um, James and Adam, we went out for some beers on Friday and you said, uh, and I kind of extended this point of the conversation to them and said, you don't get the sense that Southgate um, necessarily has authority over his players. And they made a good point back to me, which I hadn't really thought about before which was actually maybe we're in an era now where authority doesn't count for as much as, as it used to. And you look at the failures of Capello and you'd argue that Sven was probably a similar figure to that. And uh, Bielsa is somebody who does get respect and authority, but he's very much the exception, I think, that maybe proves the rule when you look around the rest of them, like Frank Lampard trying to demand authority at Chelsea, but also trying to be mates with some of them. And maybe it takes somebody who can put his arm around that squad and understands what it's like to be a millionaire footballer in the Premier League um, because he's that little bit younger, he's experienced it himself to a to a certain degree and try and make them buy into the ethos rather than tell them what they should be doing because you can't tell a 23-year-old millionaire what he should be doing, can you? He'll just turn around and give you the finger and do what he wants anyway. And I think having it in a, a compacted time frame with a tournament, it is you can kind of get away with certain things. If maybe you think, well, I don't, if at a club level, you might think, I don't really want to set a precedent on this or that because it, it'll mean six months down the line something else x y and z will happen whereas at a tournament you can just think well just get through this next three weeks and then that's how it's over and done with let's just get do it you're doing it in small lumps of time i suppose and you can you can kind of oh we've just seen Johnny. he's just appeared <laughs> on the screen what a beautiful man uh, but yeah i think it, it it might work you don't know dear and um it was a very good start today so um, uh, I don't think there's an awful lot we can complain about. I think what it does do is it gives them a chance and that's the important bit. It doesn't feel like all hopes from an English point of view are being dashed so it's on to the next game. I mean if there's a if there's an almighty struggle against Scotland at Wembley on Friday then people might you know flip a 180 on this and say well he's got it wrong so you're only as good as your last game but last one is alright isn't it? And having won it's it's actually fairly difficult not to qualify from this point due to the fact that two automatically do and third places are getting through it's we're in an incredibly strong position. I don't, I don't know the odds on it, but I would imagine it'd be, it'll now be considerably more difficult for us not to qualify than to qualify. Cool fact: 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Outside of England, then, Tyro didn't get a game for uh, for Wales. Oh, he should have done as well, because they needed something. I thought they were... I know they got a draw, but I thought they were terrible. What was the name of the lad who scored? Keith... Uh... Moore? <laughs> Sutherland? No, whoever it was. Um, he... Um... He did a good header, to be fair. He did a good header he with did. a bandage on as well, so fair play to him there. But yeah, I thought they were crap. Yeah, they weren't. That's, good. <laughs> that's as much coverage as we're doing of the other home nations. <laughs> Sorry, they were. They, they certainly looked more limited, didn't they? It looked, it looked a more um, a more limited outfit against what was also a fairly limited outfit in Switzerland. You could tell there were, there were two teams of a similar ilk, is what I guess I'm saying. You know, like, and maybe Bale has lost a little bit of the shine compared to what he had um, when I got, was it 2016? So five years ago, isn't it? When Wales were kind of in their heyday and he's off being busy off playing golf and hasn't looked quite on it for for Spurs. I think it shows that he's not that bothered about being a footballer most of the time, Gareth Bale. I think he's, um, he's, his general, whether or not it's because he can't physically do it anymore or just isn't bothered, but he he doesn't run particularly anymore. He's, He's a good player when he gets on the ball, obviously, and he can, he still looks the part. But he's nothing like the player he was, as we saw against Leeds. He was he was outrun in that game by um, by our fullbacks, wasn't he? And he just couldn't be bothered to to keep up with them. So, well, you wonder if maybe his hunger for the game has been damaged because he's made his living from it, and he's on you know half a million quid a week or whatever it was. And it still will be at, at Real Madrid, and maybe the doors open for him down there. And if you do some nice flair and stuff, you can maybe get away with a little bit um, less than is expected of you in the in the Premier League. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he's, I don't think Spurs are gonna. Be wanting to keep him, given the performances he put on it, and it's a, I think it's unlikely anyone is going to want to pay him the money he's on now. So he can um, back on the golf course soon, I would imagine. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Tyler just to return to that point, but I'm sure he'll get a game at some point in this in this group stage. Who else have they got in their group? Wales, Italy, and Turkey. Turkey. So maybe he gets a game against one of the two. Anyway, um, and that, that's it for the for the home nations, is it? <laughs> Scotland. Mm. I mean. Calvin Phillips mentioned in his interview that he was looking forward to to playing against him. If he, interestingly, the way he phrased it, he didn't say, I've got a Scottish teammate. He said, I've got a teammate who plays for Scotland. And I thought, because <laughs> you don't think he's Scottish. Just say it. Just say it, Calvin. <laughs> It'd be funny if, uh, if they did line up against each other at Wembley on Friday, though. But we'll um, we'll get you know closer to that game as and when. And we obviously don't know what Scotland are going to do yet because we are uh, before their game. And as we, uh, as we were just saying, Janny is just about to... Uh, treat the world to whatever it is that he's going to do today. You feel there'll be something because the cameras have already been focusing on him 
and his shock of blonde hair. So you imagine that he's going to, you know, step up to the plate on a, on this European stage. He's always very eye catching, isn't he? He'll be he'll be chatting to the ref if nothing else. In fact, we didn't even mention the ref today. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed the ref's performance. He didn't he did an awful lot of telling people to stand up, which I thought was good because it's. I hate games when you get, they're so broken up with a load of free kicks and people feel like they can just buy a, a free kick by going past someone and sort of drop into the ground with a kind of well, he, he probably would have touched me, but he just was nope, up, up you get. Yeah, it's, none in, of this. it's interesting you say that because I mean I know the the Denmark Finland game was obviously hugely overshadowed completely, totally by what happened to Christian Eriksen and Anthony Taylor's actions in that is being prompt were obviously very very important to. Um, to getting the medical attention that he obviously needed. Uh, but there was a little bit of that, that kind of blowing up for everything in that game that just made me lament a little bit the refereeing in the Premier League. Whereas uh, like the Champions League final, for example, two Premier mm. League sides up against one another and they're refing that let a lot more go than you see in the Premier League. Premier League is now the softest league in the world, I think. I, think, think. I feel like in the old days, people used to say, oh, well, you, get away, you won't get away with that in Europe, but in the Premier League, you can do this. Yeah, that's true. That, I feel yeah. like that's completely flipped now. I feel like it's, there are free, as many free kicks given in the Premier League as in any other level of football now. It's a, if not more so. It's a league for people who go down, which mm. is a bit of a shame. So yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that element of it today. It was good, yeah. And speaking about, I mean, we can't go any further without addressing what happened at um, Denmark and, and Finland. And that was, that was just one of the worst things I think I've ever seen on a football, in a, well, in a football stadium or on TV. It was awful, 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 awful awful it was I, I ended up actually in, not in tears but like my eyes were going and I, I was like my head in my hands thinking we just watched a man die that's what that, I thought I thought we'd seen that was the thing it was I think because contextually obviously you see documentaries and news reports of tragic things happening but it's kind of expected within the context of it but as it was one second someone had a throw in and then literally a minute later you can see him doing chest compressions behind a wall of players and you're thinking what have I just what is yeah. Why why am I seeing this first of all? But it was one of those things that I know the BBC have been heavily criticized for for showing it and I think that's probably right. They should have just gone back to the studio or stuck with a wide shot that was that was not showing the kind of the actual grim process of what was going on, but it was it was impossible to turn away from it, wasn't yeah. it? Because you were like and I mean I was watching it completely by myself, but I found myself weirdly sort of going, "Come on. Come yeah. on." Yeah. Like willing him to Yeah, I was going, "Please, please." Cuz you just want yeah. you what you were looking for some you're watching it in the hope of seeing some movement, aren't you? Like you want to see him kind of sit up or move his head or something. With yeah. the, when you're watching it all, it was, um, yeah, it was an incredibly bizarre thing to see. And obviously, it's. I mean, when when they took him off, I it, again maybe it's my, my pessimistic approach <laughs> to things, but I was like, he, he's dead. There's he, he he didn't look to be moving, did he? When he was on the on the ground, and when they put the sheets up as well, I was like, oh Christ, yeah, that's that's really bad, you know. It, I mean, it's, it's it's a really, really grim comparison, but they bring the fucking curtain out at horse racing to shoot horses yeah. when, you know, when they're getting put down. And I thought, God, no, I mean, obviously they're not going to put Christian Eriksen down. I don't <laughs> want to suggest for a second that was what they were doing. But, you know, I found myself making that mental leap thinking, oh, Christ, yeah. they're shielding. It's not just the ring of players now. They're actually holding up blankets to prevent anything being seen. And, ah, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know why it was so, so affecting. I, I agree with what you say um, that, there's culpability, I think, both in the, the whoever was in control of the original feed. I think someone at the BBC should have pulled it sooner. That can be true. But I also appreciate as well, there was probably a certain amount of panic on their part as well. Mm. And, and every, you know, we were all shocked and they were all shocked. And it is, whether we like it or not, the job of um, photographers and um, camera people to capture what's happening. Yeah, it's and the I, job. It's the job of the camera people are doing their job in filming it. Yeah. And 
it was the, it's the job of whoever is putting out the feed, essentially. I mean, to I, say, and just to say, sorry, to, to cut in on you, just to say that if it came down to it and he had passed away and they needed to look back at what had happened, and they may yet use that footage to analyse what happened for whether it's best practice or training or, you know, as part of the investigations, then the amount of time it took and stuff. So it's, it is important to capture it. So I don't think we can point the finger at them for, for doing what their job is. And, and I go back to when we spoke to John Helm on the extra ball and he stayed in in the commentary position in, a, in an ever-increasing temperature at Valley Parade when that was on fire until he had to be moved out of there. And he commentated until, until the 11th hour and, and they filmed it right until the 11th hour. And that was a really important piece of journalism and it's used now in all fire safety training about mm. the speed at which buildings can catch fire. So I think we need to be careful not to point the finger too much at the people who were just doing their job. I think there was probably responsibility on the part of the, let's say, the directors um, to not show it. But as you said, the fact that it was on, it was, I don't want to say captivating viewing because that makes it sound like no, it was, it was a positive. But you, you couldn't take your eyes off it. That was no. the thing. I know I know there's an argument saying... Well, it's the like same reason why people look at car crashes on a motorway. Exactly. If you don't know yeah. what's been shown, you can, you can turn it off and you absolutely can. But there's no way I was going to turn it off because I wanted to see what was happening sort of yeah. thing. And it was... Uh, I don't know. That's when it needs to be, I guess, taken out of someone's hands, and someone should just be like, "No, we like we don't need to see his wife or girlfriend or yeah, that was fucking down awful, on the pitch and and all that sort of stuff." Like it was the the unfolding tragedy of it all was was impossible to take your eyes off while being awful and probably something that should have just not been shown to us. But anyway, he does now, thankfully, seem to be yeah all right, which is a, a miracle. Like after before the game restarted, in fact, they were saying, "Oh, that he's spoken to his teammates." Some of the reports were saying, and he said. They should play or whatever. Yeah. Like, mad that you can be like essentially dead one minute and then because which is exactly what it would have been had he not been. Well, it's hard stopped. That's yeah. what they've said. Had, the he, had he not said, been yeah. tended to and the right stuff hadn't been there, which obviously is always going to be at a, a major tournament. But it, like to have been to be dead one minute and then kind of up and up and <laughs> chatting to people minutes yeah. later is goes uh, to show what what strangely fine lines it all is. Yeah, it's it's mad, isn't it? And and I can just remember because I di- I didn't actually see him go to ground first time. I uh, was distracted. I think I was chatting to the kids or whatever, and but I saw him being treated initially on the on the ground, um, and then I think I saw the replay. I was like, "Oh my god, that looked horrific!" Because he went down without protecting his face. Yeah, and his eyes were—you could see yeah, they were sort just, of. And he just done that gone. thing where he just he just staggered forward, and I rewound it, and I was like, "Oh my Christ, that is awful!" And I, I thought it's Foe or Mwamba yeah. again. Yeah, um, but yeah, thank God he, at this stage it looks like he's um, he's going to be all right and. Hopefully, there's going to be plenty more positive stuff across the tournament. That's going to mean we we just look back on that as something that was a, a near miss because yesterday was grim. I just I don't know. In, in a weird way, it kind of it felt like it overshadowed that game, the game today. The whole tournament would would have kind of paled into insignificance if the worst had happened. The game that they restarted was just bizarre. I, I cannot imagine. It felt weird enough watching it, having watched that unfold and the players' faces from thousands of yeah. miles away. But have it, if you've been stood. A couple of hours before watching someone resuscitate a teammate, and then they're like, "Come on, then second half." You're like, Phew. "Well, what was his name? Okay. Is it Kiar the, Kiar the captain? Yeah, um, who helped with the initial resuscitation had to be taken off after the restart. He just couldn't face it, could he? Even though they kind of between them decided that it was a thing they were going to do. But mm-hmm. I, can, I can't no. even imagine how you you play in that sort of a game. I mean, I know you're a, you're a professional footballer, so muscle memory kicks in to an extent and you, you kind of realise you're in a game and you'll tick through it to a to a certain level, won't you? But it was... Um... And there's going to be a huge amount of adrenaline as well because of what's happened because when that happens, 
your fight or flight mechanism is going to kick in on top of all the adrenaline from playing in the game anyway. So I guess you've kind of got to channel that somewhere because the alternative is you go home that night and just stew on it and stew on it for hours, mm. probably don't sleep, and then you've got to go back there. It would have been like you know Sunday afternoon to to play the game again. I don't know. If it's, you look at look at the goal that won it, does a Casper Schmeichel who is it uh, got his head in the right place save that? You think probably probably does normally, yeah. but whether I mean whether or not you can attribute it to that, you don't know. But that, I guess that's why it felt a bit strange to be it been a bit wrong to be playing the game there because you think it's not. Yeah, and I want it's it just not fair, is it? And I, want it to, I want it to have Casper Schmeichel as a figure of fun that we could laugh at <laughs> and say you're an ex lead scum fatty or whatever. But you know, fair play to what he actually did in that and comforting like Ericsson's wife. It's it's unthinkable. I think I think that's maybe why it was so disturbing is that so much of it you put yourself into the shoes of either the players stood around him and being forced to create this curtain just so people couldn't mm. watch him dying on a pitch. It instantly becomes not football, doesn't it? That's the thing. You're you're watching the sport. You're watching ten seconds earlier has finished, hasn't it? And you're watching like a man die. A man die, essentially. So it's all of the kind of the feelings you have about players just go out the window. I mean and I mean Casper Schmeichel, he's a he's a, a very light figure of fun, isn't he? Yeah. We're not, we've no actual beef with him, but whoever it would have been at that point, it would have just that sort of thing just stops, doesn't it, when in those situations and you kind of I guess you get swept up in the horror of the moment and you that's all you can focus on. Although I will hate Grealish if he does dive against Scotland on Friday, <laughs> well, no. but let's let's go back to that then and and, um, and wrap it up and finish on a on a lighter note because that was it's one of the heaviest things I can remember, one of the heaviest days I can ever remember as a as a football fan throughout my life, and I and I remember you know the crush at Middlesbrough following Hillsborough. I remember watching Hillsborough on the TV and the Bradford fire as well as a kid. It's a very distant memory, but I was in Bradford. I'm from Bradford. Didn't travel to Birmingham on that day because my mum and dad didn't want to subject us to well, what happened at Birmingham. And we, we stood on the hillside looking at Valley Parade as that burned. And that last night, yesterday, imprinted in my mind in a very, very similar way. And I think as you get older and you've got kids yourself and mortality kind of comes crashing into view, doesn't it, when you've got your, got your own kids, that it adds another layer onto it. And it's not something I hope I ever have to... No, I don't, I don't, that's making it about me. I don't mean I don't want to have to see it again. I just don't want it ever to happen again and for anybody to have to witness it. Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone to an extent makes these things about themselves, don't you? Because it's, yeah. it's, the, it's human nature. It, it's the way you see everything, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's like I saw some people, admittedly very few people, but trying to criticise Alex Scott for kind of saying that she just texted her mum or whatever in the studio. But it's just, I think that's just natural human reactions when stuff happens like that. You kind of, you do reflect on your own life, don't you? I mean, Christ, I was, one of the things I thought was like, how on earth? Is it, how can uh, like one of the fittest men in the world? How can this happen to him? Like, look at the state of me. Why is this not, <laughs> why is this not happen to me? But yeah. you know what I mean. You, stuff like that crosses your mind as well, doesn't it? And you yeah, think, yeah. oh, maybe I need to change my life <laughs> a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> or, may, or maybe not, because he's. Uh, it's, it can happen to anyone, can't it? So um, yeah, lots of weird. I don't. I'm not sure there's necessarily a right or a wrong way to to deal with these things because it's it's just a very very odd situation. Yeah, and, and it's ultimately it's, it's human reactions that. Um, underpinned all of it from the people in the TV gallery to you know us watching it as viewers and football fans and everything. And ultimately, we're all human beings, aren't we? Um, but yeah, to go back to the start and finish up on Calvin Phillips because it's his day today. And we say football is about moments, and he's had some fine moments today. And I'm just dead proud of him. I'm as well. I, I did. I mean, I've, I've basically stopped betting against Leeds this season. But I did have a one pound on Calvin Phillips to be first goal scorer. I mean, oh. 
if that's not a big backing, I don't know what is. And actually, at, came ha- close. at half time, he was the only shot on target, wasn't he? So there's, there was uh, some sense in that um, in that bet, not pure madness. Or it was, it was pure madness and emotion that made me do it in the first place. I was like, well, I mean, I, I say madness, it was one pound. It's not, um, I wasn't exactly sticking the mortgage on it, but no, I was absolutely thrilled for him. And um, it has made the day of seeing Calvin do it. If, if someone else had done that pass and run, I'd have enjoyed the win. I'd have been quite pleased with England's performance. As it is, I feel... It's like one of your children doing it, isn't it? <laughs> kind of is. Yeah. I can take absolutely no credit for his for his upbringing or development as a footballer, but still a little bit... Yeah, well, still a little bit of me thinks he's mine. Well, our studio, as we've said before, right next to Ellen Road, I drove past it on the motorway then, just to come off at Junction uh, Junction 2, 2 of the M621. And uh, as I drove past, I thought, Calvin Phillips plays there. <laughs> He's, that's his home. <laughs> Brilliant. Enjoyed it. Uh, what a lovely day for him. And we will reconvene on what Tuesday to do the next um, instalment of the Euroball and we'll uh, reflect on Liam Cooper's match winning performance yep. oh, for Jan- Scotland. Janny's just taken a throw. Not seen any other madness from him yet, but we're only uh, we're only ten minutes in, so we'll we'll update on that as well. And record we'll record any sound effects that, that come to light through uh, through Janny and his animal noises and we'll catch you in a bit. Thanks for listening. See you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. 